Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Willow Villarreal and Charles Moody from J Bar and Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co host this week. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me on this rainy Monday. <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. Talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to get your take on what's going on at Tony's with Kate McLean returning as chef partner uh, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, uh, you and Kate are pretty good friends, and also your business partner, Chef Olivier, is a former executive chef at Tony's. So I feel like you have some insight both into kind of what Kate has been thinking and, and, you know, what life is like working at Tony's. (laughs) So, so Mary, so Mary, let me just throw it to you. I mean, what do you, what do you think? I mean, is, is Kate the right fit to, for the next, uh, the next evolution of, of Tony's this kind of legendary fine dining restaurant? Well, Eric, the future is female. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, Let me just start with saying, I mean, I've known Kate a long time. She and I went to high school together at Episcopal. She's one of my closest friends. So I will be as objective as I can for someone I possibly could not adore more than her. I think, I think, yeah, I think this is absolutely on time and and what's right. You know, Tony passed away. His wife, Donna, um, is running Tony's, has been running Tony's in his absence. And, you know, Kate has confided to me that, you know, it just felt right. Um, You know, she's been away from Tony's for five years now, I think. And, you know, no one, I know this, having had six months away from Avondale at this moment, sometimes taking a break and having a step back to breathe and plan and see what's next you come back a lot stronger because of that. And I think, you know, more, I I think some people aren't brave enough to step away because they think maybe it's weakness to step away from a role like she had such a prominent role at Tony's being executive chef prior. But I think she's only going to come back stronger and better than ever. And I'm very excited to see what she's going to do to help take Tony's into the next, next era. Right. I mean, you know, and, and like I said, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with uh, Matt Harris, but I, I mean, I sort of associate parent, I, I sort of associate Tony's rather as the restaurant my parents went to for special occasions or business dinners. You know, you and I go to some very, you know, elegant, very expensive restaurants. You know, we've been to Blue Door and we've been to BCN together. DeMarco. Certainly DeMarco, you know, more recently even. Um, Amore. Amore and uh, Alba at the Hotel Grand Duca. Yes. So what would you like to see Tony's do or even March? You know, we went to March together last year. Uh So, so what would you like to see Kate do at Tony's to attract the the same kind of people our age, roughly, who are going to places like Blue Dorn in March? And Well, my fifth birthday party was at Tony's. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was. 
So I've been going to Tony's for quite a long time. Um, I agree with you that I think a lot of people associate it with our parents or our grandparents' generation of restaurants. And like a lot of younger people have picked a restaurant like a Blue Dorn or a BCN as as their version of, of Tony's. So I think her being there, I mean, we're both in our 30s. I'm still in my 30s. I'm going to hold on to that for a, a little while longer. I, I want her to express who she is at this point in her life. So, you know, I think she wants to completely overhaul the menu. And I think it's time for that. I think you can keep a lot of the classics that are on the menu, but I think you can call some of the weaker dishes perhaps, or the more staid dishes that, you know, wouldn't be considered classics. So I'd love to see the menu kind of divided up and a section of classics and then her twist on contemporary dining and where we're at in 2022. I mean, dining has changed a lot. So I would love to see maybe a more elevated, more casual bar menu. Uh, that bar and lounge area has always been my favorite place to sit because it's intimate. And this restaurant, the scale of this restaurant is so huge. And so it helps make it feel a little more intimate. Um, I'd love to see some changes in the some updates and and what kind of music is played there. I've always liked that environment in there. Um, I know she had spoken a little bit about, you know, champagne or vodka and caviar service. I'd love to see a champagne card. I'd, I'd love, I'd love for it to feel younger. So I don't know if that means maybe an overhaul in design a little bit of the restaurant. I don't know how much you can do with that space. You've got that giant Jesus Morales sculpture in the center of the dining room. I don't see that going anywhere, but you know, just, no, I, I think that's literally like anchored into the uh, foundation. I don't think I, that's going anywhere. I think it was put in during construction, like maybe before there was a roof. Um, so yeah, I don't see that going anywhere, but you know, some, you can update restaurants in other ways, right? You can update the colors of, of the dining room, the art, the carpet, the furniture. There's other ways to do it. I just, I want it to not be an intimidating restaurant for people. And I think for younger generation, it's kind of intimidating. So I think menu changes will help that. And I think her working the dining room and interacting with the customers to let her know she's there, that wasn't always something that happened in the past. In the past, you know, it was Tony's and it was the Tony Valone show and rightfully so. But I think if she's coming back as executive chef and partner, her face, her vision needs to be at the forefront. You know, I, I agree with all that. And, and one of the things she told me she wants to do is use the, the wine library, which has a beautiful, you know, Italian Murano glass chandelier as like a venue for not just tasting menus, but, but, you know, meals with lighting and, and, audio elements, like a, a real comprehensive dining experience. And, and I think, you know, kind of showing that side of her ability will, you know, if she gets some of that pop-up buzz, right. Like a little bit of that, that Neo hype, you know, I think, I think that's all to the good. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, I love jazz nights at how to survive on Sundays. Like that's something I always look forward to in a town where there's not a lot to do on Sundays. So I don't know, maybe incorporating some elements like that in the bar just to liven it up and freshen it and make it a little younger. People, like, I miss live music so much these past couple of years in COVID, and I, 
I think if people know that they have a younger, hipper kind of spot that they can go to for music, I mean, there used to be a lot of places that did this, and there's so few of them now. So I, I think that's kind of fun, too. No, I, I, I think that's right. And I think that's a good starting point. And, you know, it's she's taking over on February 10th. Yes. I was with her yesterday. I mean, she is days away from taking the helm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think what we'll do is we'll we'll give her a couple of weeks to get settled in. And then I <laughs> I know you want to go. I know Matt wants to go. I know some of our other friends want to go. I think we'll, you know, we'll we'll go and and fire the menu and see what it's like. She jokingly told some people last night, she's like, I'd love for you to come and check it out. Give me four to six months. And I was just like, um, <laughs> you're adorable. I don't think anybody's going to give you four to six months before they slide in. <laughs> you got, you got two weeks. At least I, I, I think it's going to be, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm willing to give her two or three weeks. That's, but, but then I want to go and see what she's up to. <laughs> me too. Absolutely. All right. Let us move on to topic number two. Ben Berg announced that he is opening a pop-up restaurant at the rodeo called the ranch saloon and steakhouse. So it, as its name sort of implies, there will be the saloon, which is a casual restaurant, you know, walk-in availability. Uh, And then the steakhouse, which will take, which is taking reservations already on open table. Uh, But these are the first sit down restaurants at the rodeo, that have sort of more elevated food uh, and, and, you know, most importantly, like a table and chairs, right? Cause if you, you know, if you buy from the stands in the midway or, or that, that dining area near, uh, you know, energy center, like it's all picnic tables, it's all sort of communal seating. It's not reserved. And, and then in terms of the menu, it'll be sort of a mix of dishes from B and B butchers, the Annie cafe, and also BB lemon, the more casual kind of, you know, uh, fancy diner is sort of how I describe BB Lemon. Uh, Mary, I, I know that's kind of a mouthful, but let me just throw it to you. What do you think? Will you patronize the ranch saloon and steakhouse or will you stick to turkey legs and meat on a stick? Okay, first of all, turkey legs and meat on a stick is not my thing. Maybe funnel cakes is like what I look forward to at the radio. Um, I will... Definitely check out the Ranch Saloon and Steakhouse as long as I don't have to buy a ten or fifteen thousand dollar table <laughs> with naming rights. Uh, Benberg's a genius. I, you know, I don't always understand all of his concepts, but I know better than to doubt them. I mean, his success is insane. I mean, unparalleled. B and B Butchers kills it, and all of his concepts are beautifully designed. He's got great staff. I can't imagine that this will be anything short of that. And he's got, he knows everybody. He's got a great following. This will be hugely successful, whether I get it or not. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really do feel like at some point people have just stopped telling Ben no. Yeah. You know, the success of the success of B&B Butchers was so improbable that you know, there, there wasn't a steakhouse on Washington Avenue. Washington. I'm just like, and I'm a lawyer. I know the judges and lawyers like to eat and drink on a Friday afternoon. I get it. I never expected it to be this successful. Right. He revived, you know, he transformed cafe Annie into the Annie cafe. I love Turner's. Right. Turner's is very luxurious. You know, he's had all the success. And I think people have just stopped telling him no. 
And so, you know, he came to the rodeo and he's like, I'm opening a restaurant at the rodeo. The rodeo's like, well, you know, they're not going to stop him. So I, I put this on Facebook and I, I got a bunch of comments. Uh, one of them was from Tracy Vaught, who's, you know, Hugo Ortega's wife and business partner. He said, Ben, ben Berg has G-U-T, capital G-U-T-S guts. It's like, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. It's you got to, you got to be seriously ambitious to to pull something like this off. And and I can't really think of anyone in Houston uh, more ambitious or more qualified than than Ben Burr. Yeah, I mean, I just think about the logistics of it, right? Like staffing it, getting all of your product in there, like knowing what you need. How like how do you anticipate your reservations? But I mean, I I bet you. The second he opens reservations for it, that thing gets booked up quick. Uh, yes, reservations are open now. Okay. And I have already heard from friends of mine who are like, you know, I'm going to George Strait or I'm going to Journey or I'm going to whatever. And I made a reservation at, at the ranch for before. Yeah. I mean, he's going to do what, 300 people here, you told me? Yeah, some crazy. Yeah, something like that. I think 200 and 200 something for the steakhouse and then another... 100 or 150 in the saloon. It's insane. I mean, I keep saying insane with Ben Berg, but he just, he's going to nail it. I have no doubt. And I'm curious as to how, is it going to be permanent in the sense that it's always going to be there? Or are they going to break it down after every rodeo? Well, it will be, it will be tents on the property near the Astrodome. Okay. That will, that will be there for the duration of the rodeo. And then then just like everything else associated with the rodeo, it'll get packed up and put into storage until 2023. Wow. I'm excited to see it. I mean, he's nothing like this has ever happened before. So I think people will look forward to it. Absolutely. And then topic number three, a little bit of Chinatown real estate news. Bel Air Food Street, the uh, very successful uh, shopping center uh, on Bel Air Boulevard that is exclusively devoted to dining concepts will open a phase two um, about a quarter mile east in a new building. Uh, Bel Air food street one has 14 uh, dining options. Bel Air food street two will have 11. So a total of 25 across the two properties. Mary, I know you get down to Chinatown some, have you been to any of the places specifically in Bel Air food street? And if so, what do you think about this expansion? I've been to some of them. I love Chinatown. I wish I went more often than I do. It just seems like it takes concerted effort on my part to get there. And it's a place I usually like to go with friends, like lots of friends, you know, there's nothing better than going with four, six, eight of your friends. So you can try a whole bunch of different dishes. I would love like, I love Szechuan style cuisine. I would love to see more of that. I love, I mean, I love everything. I like soup dumplings. I like ramen. I like pho. I like, there's so much food I love in this area. So I'm excited for whatever they're bringing. I mean, the more, the merrier. Right. I mean, this has been a, a highly successful development. It's where uh, Beard Papa's is. It's where Pop Fancy is. I, I When I met with uh, the owner and the marketing director, we had a really delicious lunch of Uh, Korean fried chicken at Soho Chicken. There's a ramen concept from Dallas there. And part of what's made Bel Air Food Street so successful is they they only have one of whatever that 
Right. So there's only one ramen shop, one boba tea, you know, one pastry, one ice cream, you know, one teppanyaki, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so they don't compete directly with each other, which if you go to some of these other shopping centers, you know, you'll see five boba tea shops or four ice cream places or three ramen yas. It's, it's, it can be a little overwhelming. So, you know, curating that client mix has been really important to them. And, and they intend to do that again with Beller Food Street too. Now, of course, right now it's an office building and like three apartment buildings. So a lot of work to be done. It's got to be demoed. It's got to be built. It's, you know, this is, this is a project that's not really going to come to fruition until the end of 2023. But, you know, the, the signage is up and they're starting to recruit tenants. So uh, worth sort of sharing the news and, and starting to think about, you know, maybe what you would like to see. And of course, I, I made my pitch for, uh, for Din Tai Fung, but of course that, that operates on a much larger scale than anything that they're doing. So if, if we're getting that, it, if, if that's ever coming to Houston, it, it won't be to Bel Air Food Street. It, it would take something like, uh, you know, the Galleria or city center or one of those like really big mixed use developments. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We should, we should make Bel Air more frequent. Like just put it on the calendar once a month and get a big group of people. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to start with Ruggles Black. This is Mira Pradadar and Bruce Balzan's River Oaks restaurant. It was on Upper Kirby uh, at the intersection of Kirby and 59 for a long time. It just moved to a new location on West Alabama. Uh, of course, you know, Bruce Balzan has been a fixture of the Houston dining scene since the 80s. Uh, but he's doing, you know, Ruggles Black has been pretty successful by sort of embracing you know, paleo and keto menu items, and also doing all of the sort of classic Ruggles dishes that Bruce is known for. So let me just ask you, what did you think of our dinner at Ruggles Black? Oh my gosh. Um, All the thoughts. Uh, Let's just start from the beginning. Arriving there, it's valet at dinner time. I, I don't think it is maybe at lunchtime, but it was packed. Like, 100% 100% full at capacity. So obviously they're off to a fast start in their new location and their regulars have followed them. Um, you cannot tell that the space was Mission Burrito, like at all on any, like if somebody's like, this was Mission Burrito, you're like, excuse me, there's no sign of it. There's all these beautiful chandeliers hung. It's kind of like dark, moody lighting some great art in there by a Mexico city artist, I believe that we met. Um, I like the atmosphere. It's bigger than I thought it would be. It definitely seats a, a good chunk of people. Uh, I didn't really take so much a look at the patio cause I was faced towards the main dining room, but lots of dining area spaces in here to choose from that menu is crazy. Like I didn't count number of menu items, but there is something on this menu for everyone. Right. I mean, it, it's almost overwhelming trying to pick what to order and, 
you know, there's probably over a dozen appetizers. There was pizzas. There was uh, probably almost 10 different taco choices. There was, you know, a couple of dozen entrees. And then of course the dessert tray, that signature Ruggles dessert tray has over a dozen selections on it. So, so trying to get our hands around it was difficult, but we are professionals. And so we had, uh, let's see, we had a, a sauteed shrimp appetizer. We had a, a crab and avocado stack. We had fried oysters with caviar. We had uh, short rib tacos with paleo tortillas. We had a lamb pizza. We had a pistachio crusted snapper. I- I'm missing an entree. It wasn't, uh, oh, we had, we had, we had a pasta bolognese. And then we had four desserts. My favorites were the fried oysters with the caviar was incredible. And the fish that we had was also delightful. No, I thought that pistachio crusted snapper was, was really flavorful, really nicely cooked. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I remember going to the original Ruggles grill, uh, you know, with my family when I was a teenager. And so I, I do have that like sort of vague nostalgic sense that like, you know, I've had this before, uh, whether it's, it's literally like straight out of 1992 or, uh, or an updated version of it. I can't say for sure. I I thought that sauteed shrimp appetizer was really delicious. It had a a little bit of heat to it. Uh, I agree with you. The fried oysters were were really nicely cooked, but the caviar, you know, is always really nice. My dessert from my childhood was delicious. Like seriously, I hearken back to like six, seven year old Mary. Like it was it was a wonderful, nostalgic moment. Right. And that, that white chocolate bread pudding is like a Houston classic. You know, every bit, every bit is celebrated as like the Tris Leches at Churrasco's or the uh, Bananas Foster at Brennan's. It's like, you know, on that list of notable Houston desserts, uh, the Ruggles uh, white chocolate bread pudding is. My is childhood right. bedroom was painted the sky with clouds because of the original Ruggles. Like seriously, Ruggles was my, one of my favorites when I was a kid. I liked the mix of old school dishes and more contemporary takes. I think they've done a nice job of that. So, you know, I, I, I agree with you and, and, and I was surprised. I, I guess I wasn't surprised by how busy it was because every time I, I drive past it, the parking lot looks completely full. But I, I was surprised maybe a little bit by how much I enjoyed it because I, I thought it was going to feel really dated. And, and there are some things about, you know, some of the ingredients or certainly the plating that, that aren't contemporary. But, you know, Lord knows Bruce Malzahn has a, a history of, uh, you know, sort of scandalous behavior and, and has been accused of all kinds of things. But uh, oh, my God. All right. We went there. OK, <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I mean, you could people can Google Bruce Malzahn, but, you know, the serious serious allegations, you know, wage theft most prominently. And he's been in any number of colorful lawsuits. So I, I understand there's, there's going to be a group of people who listen to this and they're like. <laughs> and are like, I'm never going to eat there because I don't like Bruce. And, and, you know, I respect that decision, but the food is undeniably delicious. Yeah, and, the food is good. And that keto that, you know, I would say maybe a quarter of the menu ish was keto friendly. And I know that's a big draw for them. That's something certainly they didn't have going on in the nineties at their original location before Ruggles green and now Ruggles black, but I think that appeals to people that want to dine out and want to eat healthier, especially this time of year. It's the beginning of a new year. People have a lot of resolutions. So I think, you know, that's a component. I don't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's a lot of restaurants that you and I've 
been to or frequent that have such a significant portion of their menu dedicated to keto? No, I think that's right. I, I think that's one of the ways that Ruggles Black has made itself relevant is by really embracing those dining trends. And, and certainly, you know, keto is a really popular choice for weight loss and health. And I had a keto margarita and it was actually delicious. I was surprised, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'd say the, the keto, you know, the keto compliant pizza crust, the, the, the tortillas, which tasted a little bit like a dosa, you know, I kind of, I kind of respect the idea more than I enjoy the execution, but, you know, certainly for people who want to eat that way, it's, it's a valuable option. hundred percent. All right. And then in addition to Ruggles Black, let's talk about Stella's wine bar. Yes. The new wine bar at the Post Oak Hotel. I had Keith Goldston and Julie Dalton on the show last week and we talked about creating Stella's and, and having a place to, to really enjoy this really extensive uh, wine selection that they've created for the hotel and the, the restaurants on the property. But, but you know, you, you have owned a, a wine bar and restaurant. You are uh, connected to the wine scene here. So, so Mary, let me just ask you, like, where does Stella's Wine Bar fit in for you in, in the range of wine bars that we have here in Houston? Okay, well, right off the bat, I'm a huge Julie Dalton fan. <laughs> so that tilts the scales for me a little bit. Um, I'm excited that this concept under the umbrella, umbrella of Tillman, they have the opportunity and ability to buy uh, wine without having to go through the higher ups of the corporate hierarchy of Landry's. So what this means for the consumer is they're going to be able to get more choice. So they'll be able to buy from small distributors, mid-sized distributors, big ones, and they'll really be able to tailor a wine program that fits what they're trying to achieve, which I think if they didn't have the freedom to do that, I would be less drawn to this concept. Uh, but they are simultaneously able to pull from the five plus million dollars worth of inventory on this campus. So I think it's offering the best of both worlds. I love the idea of the flights that they're doing that we got to experience. I did a champagne flight, had three different wines in it. I think their pricing's reasonable. I like that it's, you know, a place that you can hop for myself. I could hop in there with my girlfriends on a Sunday for brunch and have it be kind of a casual afternoon. I could also use it for business meetings and without having to, you know, sit down for a full dinner like you would at Mastro's or one of his other restaurants. I, I think it's, I think the scale of it's right. I think what we're seeing the trend for these wine spots is smaller is better. It's more intimate. It's what people are wanting and craving post COVID. Honestly, they don't, for the most part, what I see when I go out is people want smaller, more intimate places. They've got a patio that seats a generous amount of people so you can choose indoors or outdoors. I also think that trend's not going away. I think every concept that opens needs to have an outdoor component and this outdoor patio is gorgeous. So uh, a little bit of everything in here and, and the people that are running this program are top notch. No, I, I think that's all. I think that's all well said. You know, one of the things Julie said in last week's episode is that you know Silver Oak was the kind of gateway wine for her that got her like into into wanting to learn more about wine. 
Yeah. And and I know that, you know, if we asked some of the the hipper sommeliers around town, they would tell you maybe that's not a great, that's not a great pick. Or there are other, there are other less heralded, less famous brands that are are better quality for less money, yada, yada, yada. Listen, so chemists uh, were served in my house growing up. Like I get it. <laughs> right. But, but so I, I, I think that's really important because you can go there as maybe a neophyte, you know, or, or someone with like a pretty specific kind of old school taste in wine and you can have those wines and be just fine. Or you can, uh, drink some pet nut. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or you could drink some really cool stuff and know that, that Julie, Julie will have this selection and, and guide you to something really cool. And, and she won't judge you for, for wanting to drink silver Oak. And she knows her chops well enough to be like, here's the, here's the hipper psalm stuff. I think some of her best attributes. And I think the best attributes among wine professionals that I respect in our community are people that appreciate that someone might like a silver Oak or a Camus and don't try to talk down to them or tell them, you know, maybe you'd like to try something else. Like people are pretty decisive. And so if they know what they want, great. But if they're looking for you to guide them, there's no one better than her and not going to judge you and make you feel bad that you maybe don't have the wine knowledge. Some other people do. I just, I hate wine snobs. I cannot, like, I cannot deal with it. So She's amazing. She's going to make everyone feel welcome that walks in that door. And I think that's the most important thing right now. Absolutely. All right, Mary, that does it for our restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And I'll be right back with the guys from J Bar and Barbecue. I am joined this week by two of the men behind J Bar M Barbecue, a new restaurant in Edo. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Charles Toomey, welcome to the show. How are you? Howdy. Doing great. Willow Villarreal, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Eric? I'm good, man. Thanks for doing this. Charles, let me let me start with you because I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the origin story of this restaurant. You know, I got the press release. I, I, I met you a few times in the kind of the run up. Is it is it true that your family has owned that land for over a hundred years? Yeah, nineteen hundred on the dot. All right. So, so what made you want to put a barbecue restaurant on it? It's it's I can't take any credit for it. It's all my grandfather. Um, he is a serial entrepreneur and loves restaurants. Loves the restaurant industry. Has had several restaurants in the past, uh, mostly before I was born, uh, namely one of them being the Green Room, a barbecue uh, place uh, just off Market Square in downtown Houston. And um, for at least uh, the last, I would say, 15 years, if not more, he has been wanting to open up another restaurant. And I, I believe he wanted to put a restaurant on the site, but wasn't sure what was suited best for the the site. And he reached out to a consulting firm who mentioned barbecue. And he was absolutely over the moon that they said that because that is right up his alley and something he is extremely fond of. 
So that's kind of how that began. Well, and, and of course, it's kind of one thing to, to open a barbecue restaurant, but but the scale of JBRM, you know, with with four 1,000 gallon smokers, the the hog cookers, the huge outdoor area. I mean, did it did it always sort of start out as as being this ambitious or did you kind of evolve that in the development? Well, things do tend to get out of out of control during the, the design process. Because uh, my grandfather uh, is a man that 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 uh, wants the best. He just um, that's that was what he said from the onset is that he wants the absolute best. He doesn't want to mess around. You you know, hence the four thousand gallon Mobergs. Hence Willow. He just wanted the best of the best, and uh, so that's that's what we set out to do. And uh, because we had essentially a, a, a full square block to play with, um, you know, we just kind of, you know, organically during me, what if we had this? Or what if we had this? Or, you know, we have this extra space. Let's do something with that. So um, initially, it, it probably didn't, uh, wasn't planned to be quite as grand as it is. But, um, you know, here we are. <laughs> so. Well, Willa, that's gotta that's gotta feel pretty good, right? Be told you the best of the best. <laughs> Definitely, um, you know, I, I I don't I'm not you know I'll be a little more humble to that. Definitely, you know, but uh, I'm glad that we uh, we all linked up and I'm able to we're able to do what we're doing out of this building. It's a great venue to do, you know, do our food what we were doing in the past. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess just maybe talk a little bit about kind of your, your roots in barbecue, because, you know, I remember, you know, meeting you, you were doing pop-ups at grand prize and you had the, the food truck. So how did you, how did you kind of get bitten by the barbecue bug and, and develop your style? Um, you know, I think the very beginning, it was, I, I went to Gatlin's and then Soon after that, I went to Law Barbecue, Louis Miller, and I just got bit by the bug. You know, you take a bite of brisket and, you know, it makes your eyes pop open. And I was like, I have to be able to try to do that. And I just went down a rabbit hole. Um, started cooking barbecue. Burned a lot of briskets. And then it's, you know, your friends always tell you, you should try to sell this. You know, you're cooking it every weekend. And that's what we started doing. It started popping up at some bars and it just evolved from there. Yeah. I mean, how, how would you sort of describe your barbecue as opposed to, you know, a, you know, not, not in a negative way, but, but sort of what, what do you think it's, yeah, it's positive yeah. aspects are. I mean, we, you know, I've always just tried to put out the best smoked meats I possibly can. And I never wanted we from the beginning we always wanted to make sure that the sides weren't an afterthought i think that's one of the things that sets us apart has from the beginning whenever we did the pop-ups they you know it i think it was very you know it wasn't as great then but we just kept working on it but then when we opened the truck that's when we really got to flourish you know, we were doing it on a consistent basis doing it you know four days a week and we got into we got to develop what we were doing very well um, that, I think that's just the main, you know, we, we 
try to use quality products. We pay attention to all the small details, but the sides are one of the things that, you know, we have people come through the line and just order a tray of sides. Not, that's not uncommon at all. So I, I don't think it's barbecue wise, you know, I'm doing Central Texas barbecue. I just try to do it as good as I possibly can. I'm my hardest critic and uh, I'm constantly trying to get better. And then we're doing the same thing in the kitchen side of it all. Right. And, and, and I should just clarify for people, you, you keep saying we, it's not because oh, you're arrogant. It's, it's not because you're arrogant and using the Royal we it's because your fiance Jasmine is yes. your, your partner in, in all things in, in this business or. Yes. You know, ja- Jasmine and I, Jasmine Barella, we started this pop-up together. I, or, you know, actually I, we started it and then she, came on board like one of the very couple first few pop-ups to help and then I wouldn't let her go and she uh just has taken control of that part of it in just immense way that I'm so proud and and happy with you know from our our sides to the desserts and then even our our pickled items um yeah, I mean, I whenever I met the Toomeys, you know, I was very upfront that yes, I we could do this barbecue together, but it, it wasn't just going to be my meat. That I didn't want to put my barbecue in a place where the sides were an afterthought. I wanted it to be the complete package. And um, yeah, Jasmine and the team in the kitchen, her and Emily, they're they're rocking it out. I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, Charles, let me let me bring you back into this. I mean, how did you sort of get connected with Willow and what's it been like kind of working with him and Jasmine to to create this place? It was it was all JC Reed. Uh or Chris Reed as some people know him. Um we we approached him at his barbecue festival uh many years ago. We we tracked him down. Grandpa found his name, you know, read all his articles and it says this is the guy we need to talk to. So we hunted him down at the barbecue place and I'm sure he's been approached many times by people saying, Hey, listen, I want to open a barbecue restaurant. But, um, you know, my grandfather doesn't take no for an answer. So we kept on it and, uh, I, I, you know, he humored us with a few meanings and, and saw that we were actually pretty serious about it. You know, we had an architect already on board. We had started, uh, doing the layout for the facilities and all that. So I, I guess he thought, hey, I, I think these guys are actually going to make a, a real run at it, uh, despite many people telling us not to do it. Uh, they, you know, mm-hmm. Even Aaron Franklin, we, we met with him, and, and he said, don't do it. Don't do it. You'll not make any money. Uh, but it, like I said, my grandfather doesn't take no for an answer. And so we just went forward and eventually had several meetings, and we were looking, we were at the point where we needed to get a pit master on board, uh, told JC, and he said, you know, in fact, I think I know the perfect guy, and the rest is history. We met Willow one day and uh, pretty much hired him on the spot just based on JC's recommendation, just uh, because he holds a lot of weight, um, and uh it's it's been magic ever since man i i really i you can't ask for a better crew a better staff we're truly blessed with the people that we've brought on 
Um, and it's, it's been an absolute pleasure working with people that have that much passion in, in what they are doing. Um, like Willow mentioned before, he is his biggest critic. Uh, I, every sample that I take, I'm doing like a ha happy dance and uh, Willow's like, ah, that's all right. I, I can do better, you know? And I'm like, you are crazy, man. Same thing with Jasmine. Everything she puts out is just stellar. I mean, I just, I, I can't gush enough about the food. I mean, of course, you know, people listen and probably be like, oh, you know, he's just talking, you know, smack because it's, you know, he's part of the restaurant. But listen, I don't make the food. And, and I'm a pretty honest guy. And I eat there mm, five, six days a week. And I'm not sick of it. I, I don't know how, uh, because I literally eat it almost every day. And every day, you know, I eat a big meal, eat barbecue, and I'm like, oh, I probably won't eat it the next day. Second, I step foot in that restaurant, in our restaurant, I just, I the smells, the them cutting meat. I'm like, oh God, uh, here we go again. And uh, yeah, just, just, just a huge fan myself. So um, that's that's basically how I feel about it. You know, I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I mean, that's great, right? You, you should really, it, it's good to like what you're serving. I mean, it, it certainly beats yeah, the alternative. Like, like I said, I'm blessed. The fact that I do actually love our food Tr just, and, and again, we hired him and Jasmine not knowing what their food even tastes like, honestly. Um, and we, I think it was several months uh, maybe half a year before we even tasted their food. And thank God it was amazing. Just as JC had said, uh, I know uh, uh, my family had a huge sigh of uh, relief uh, just because they, they, you know, saw my grandfather investing all this stuff into what was basically a, a huge unknown at the time. And uh, when we had our first event and tasted his food, we were all just like, whoo, because it was damn good. So, well, Willow, let me let me circle back because, yeah. you know, I, I think it's kind of one thing to do pop ups or even have a food truck. You know, it's another thing to start working at a restaurant that seats, you know, 300 people. So 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 what did you do to kind of get ready for working at, at such a larger scale um well as you mentioned we did the food truck we did that for a year um got some you know attention for that and then unfortunately that brought us some negative attention and that you know we 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 shut down oh no i need to back up so before that i i left fox sports net and i went and worked uh two summers at typhoon texas water park so that that was my first experience with um doing high volume it was on Buley's, uh, which do have the thermostat, you know, uh, feature on the smokers, you know, it makes it a little, a little easier. Uh, you, you, you know, use less wood, you use them, you know, you have less labor, you know, like you don't have to have someone manning the pit constantly. Um, but that was my first experience where I'm doing, I was doing 30, 40 briskets at once. Um, and then, you know, just, I think just going and eating at a lot of places and knowing, seeing how 
you know, trying like getting the insight from different owners, you know, a lot of people let me into their kitchens and their pit rooms. And I asked a lot of questions. I know there's a lot of people out there that are probably like, damn, here he is again, when I come up and walk, you know, they, they come to their place. But you know, I've been fortunate enough to where people have given me a lot of insight um, and, and, and advice on this. And I just, you know, when we get in, we got in here, I got a crew together for my pit team. And we're just going at it, you know. I mean, it's it's been a huge learning curve, um, but I feel like we're we're finally hitting our stride. Just two and a half months in, and um, it's just getting tighter and better. And uh, you know, it is and it's only going to continue to do so. I got some new people on the crew. You know, I, I started out with some solid people. You know, Alec of uh, Big Daddy Carne. You know. Um, you know, I got Chewy Ortiz. He was formerly at Guest Family. Um, and JQ just came on recently. Uh, Nick, he was at Piper's. Um, so, you know, just the guys who do pop-ups and stuff like that, I've been given a chance because I felt like after the truck closed that people didn't really – I felt like there wasn't really doors open for me to, like, to go into other people's restaurants, it, like, as a, you know – in their pit room and guys who do pop-ups, they, uh, they know the work it takes. It's a lot of work. So if they want to, you know, come in and put into work here, I'm giving them the chance. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw that you guys just hired uh, Joseph Quellar of JQ's Tex-Mex barbecue. And, and that's certainly a pop-up that I've been to any number of times and, and, you know, really enjoyed his, his cooking. And, you know, of course I was a, a customer of yours uh, a few times at least, you know, going back to, like I said, going back to Grand Prize and, mm-hmm. and visiting the truck. So, I mean, it's been, it's been exciting for me as a, as a barbecue person, a barbecue eater uh, to see you get this opportunity. Like you said, you're, you feel like you're getting better and better, but, but what were your, like, what are your goals? Like, where would you like to be sort of at the, the six month or a year mark in terms of um, um, what you're doing? I mean, the first goal would be at least to make the top, the Texas monthly top 25 new joints. And then after that would be the top 50. Um, other than that, I just want to have a badass restaurant. I want people to come in here and enjoy themselves. You know, we already have people that come in more than once every week. Um, you know, we're becoming a neighborhood spot, which I love. I live in the neighborhood myself. I just want this place to grow and and become a hangout for people and just come in and get a great tray of barbecue. Um, you know, further than that, you know, I, I just want to concentrate on what's going on right now and the goal is to put out badass barbecue. Charles, what do you what do you think of that and and what are what are your goals for for this restaurant? Man, putting smiles on people's faces, man. That's, that's what I want, man. That's a, it's a best, the best feeling is to walk outside and see our patio and see people laughing, enjoying their food, listening to the music, because that's, that's basically what I've known my whole life in terms of our family and food. We're a huge foodie family. We all get together at least once a week, have a huge feast, and it's just nothing but joyous chaos. You know, everyone, it's loud, it's messy, there's food everywhere, we're yelling, 
you know, um, that's what I basically I want. It's like a little piece of our family experience on a larger scale. And um, what we have accomplished so far, just, you know, it makes me almost want to cry to see where we started with, you know, just a thought. And then, you know, four and a half years later, here we are doing that one thing, you know, that we, we, we thought about just having a, a packed room with everyone enjoying the food, people coming back. Like Willow said, we have people that will come back several times in one week. Um, and it's and furthermore, the fact that our clientele is an absolute melting pot and basically um, Houston representing Houston as a whole. We have all types of people enjoying our barbecue from all walks of life. You couldn't ask for anything more. Like, honestly, that's, that's the best thing about it. Um, besides just the amazing staff, amazing food. Um, and, and we really think we're only going to get better because, you know, we're, we're honestly still, in a soft opening phase. We have rolled out our full uh, potential menu. We haven't rolled out our full hours yet. Um, and we're just trying to build on it organically. Um, and so that's what we have for the future. Just more good stuff, more, more live music, uh, more menu items, um, more craft cocktails, wine, beer, uh, just, you know, uh, desserts, you name it. We just rolled out our bar items Friday um, that took off wild success. Um, so just, yeah, more of the same, basically. Yeah, well, let me let me bring you back into this. I mean, you know, you guys have started doing the smoke prime rib on Thursday night. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't know that there was a bar menu. So maybe maybe talk about some of what's on that and and maybe some of the other dishes that you you'd like to introduce kind of once you get your, uh, now that you've got a solid team and you've gotten uh, your sea legs under you. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted to grow the, we want to create a night life atmosphere also with the restaurant. You know, we, once the barbecue side closed down, we want to have the beer garden active. And so we developed a few initial, you know, bar item snacks, and, you know, and that's just going to grow. We're just, we, you know, it's a lot of, uh, and, and it's, you know, right now it's hard to get to your staff up to full, you know, up to full numbers and everything. So we're trying to do what, you know, what we can, but we wrote out like a, a brisket chili Frito pie, a brisket queso loaded fries, uh, a large soft pretzel. And um, I think what pimento cheese with firecrackers just at the beginning. Um, but, you know, we want to develop more sandwiches. Uh, we're going to get the live fire grill going to do um, even more steaks. The prime rib was our way of kind of tiptoeing into the steak night aspect or, you know, uh, of the uh, of the restaurant. You know, we need to get, you know, to where we can. It's just, you know, the, the staff, will, you know, we're working with with less staff than what we we would like at the moment. So once we grow that more that um, we're going to be doing more dinner service, probably table service and, uh, you know, and live steak, uh, live fire steaks and um, 
probably other proteins like some like some some thick cut pork chops, stuff like that. Uh, some some brisket grind burgers. Um, you know the way I see it, man, the sky's the limit. You know it, we open it up. We want to get the the basic barbecue menu going solid, and then we can start playing even more. Yeah, I mean, you know, for the you know walk before you run approach. Yeah. I mean, having having come by for that uh, prime rib a few weeks ago, I got to say it's. Uh, I, I'm going to count that as a successful experiment. Yeah, totally. I was. I'm so happy with it. We, Jasmine and I, we've done that before on the truck and as a pop up, and um, yeah, I mean, being able to do it in the restaurant setting, it just it makes everything so much easier. Well, you mean not everything, but you know. It, you you're able to stay more consistent and everything you know and uh yeah roll that out and people are loving it you know and it's like it's like one of those things where you know each time you put something out you're like well we just do this for the moment but it's like you never know what's going to take off and it's like no you got to keep doing it um that may be one of those things yeah no you, you know you'll have people uh you know you'll have people up in arms if you yeah, they show up on a they show up on a Thursday night. And there's no prime rib. Now you, you got to keep feeding it to them. Yeah, totally. You know, I, one of the things also we're really looking forward to is we right now we got live music on Sundays. But you know, once we hit spring, you know, I think we're, we're going to start having bands on Friday and Saturday evenings. Um, I, I want to really see that grow and develop. I mean, this weekend on Sunday it was you know like Charles mentioned, you walk out that beer garden, it's just full. You got a band on the stage and the weather couldn't be more perfect for it, you know. Um, this the coming Sunday, we got Nick Gatan playing for us, and that's gonna be great, man. I you know, we'll see if maybe I could talk to family to let me take over on the night and I can do some of my stuff that I used to do. But <laughs> yeah, you get the mosh pit going, like really yeah, rock get, out. Yeah, get, yeah, get some hardcore punk and metal in there. <laughs> With, I so mean, much of, with so much of Pat's Blue Ribbon and Lone Star. Uh, you know, I'm I'm waiting for like the synergy with all the uh, the nightclubs and the bars that are near you. You know, I'll I'll know that I'll know that your uh, dinner service is taken off when I see all the uh, the Bentley stop by before they head on to Sakai or uh, <laughs> totally. Chapman and Kirby. That's that's when you'll know it's really kicking. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, Charles, this uh, you know. Would you say, would you say so far you're, you're sort of meeting your expectations or, or uh, in terms of growing the business or, or is, or I guess, I guess maybe the most important question is, is your grandfather happy with, with how it's going so far? Yes. Yeah, he is. He, so just a little background, the, our, our parent company is called Grumpy Jacks, being that my grandfather can be a, a little bit grumpy. Um, it's a very fitting name for him and, uh, you know, he's not the most patient man. Um, but we have definitely put a smile on his face more than once since we've opened. So I'm sure he, he, you know, wants us to be fully opened with everything on the menu currently available and, you know, but where we are is very good. We are very pleased with how things have turned out. Well, you know, I mean, I've, I've been to the restaurant a few times and, and he's very present, yes. you know, greeting diners, asking people how it's going. I mean, he, uh, I mean, for what it's worth, he really seems to be enjoying himself. 
Yeah. Immensely, <laughs> immensely. He, you, <laughs> you couldn't drag him away from that place. He, he is there front and center giving away banana puddings to everyone he can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 yeah, last night, dude, we were talking about it after service. It's like, he's like, you see those, so he, he went to the, the cashier, he's like, you see those kids? He took six banana puddings. He's like wiping out Jasmine's inventory. He just I didn't get it yesterday. That's, that's all I wanted with <laughs> banana pudding. <laughs> but yeah, Amy, he, he you know, I don't think he can help himself, man. He's, no. he's he's like he's being everyone's grandfather in in this restaurant, <laughs> you know. Whenever they're all, all the patrons, yeah, everyone everyone refers to him as his grandpa, <laughs> even though they're, they're not family. They he's their grandpa. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I think that uh, I think that's kind of an ideal situation, to be honest with you. Yes, sir. Um, well, let me say that that brings me to the end of my questions. Do you have is there anything I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? What no, would no. you like to see from us? I guess would you? Would you is there anything that's you? I I mean, for any barbecue joint, you know, the most important thing is just consistency. You know, yeah. being mm-hmm. you know operating at a at a high level of quality and and doing it consistently. And you know, I, I think I I certainly think you're on the right path. I I I you know I certainly think that there's opportunities in terms of more creative sandwiches and you know you know could you put your spin on something like pastrami could you could you find some other you know you you hired uh you hired joseph i mean i don't you know certainly willow's heritage i mean you want to get into the the tex-mex the tex-mex barbecue thing i mean you know i i'm a huge a huge fan of what uh what they do at 2m in san antonio and what they do at uh at uh, the place that's in Austin, whose name I'm blanking on, which is Valentinas. Valentinas, thank you. You say yeah. so. You know, I I certainly think there's more opportunities there if if you want to go that way. And uh, you know, I'm excited to see what the dinner program looks like because because you do have that live fire grill and you do have that great cocktail program, and so it it does it gives you some some sort of structural advantages that other barbecue restaurants don't have. So. You know, I, I live uh, not far from you. And so <laughs> having another great restaurant close by is uh, always welcome. Yeah, totally. I, you know, d- new item, new new menu items is definitely one of the big goals. And Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. We talk about it almost incessantly. <laughs> it's just, you know, again, staffing right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, we want to play it safe and grow organically uh, while maintaining that consistency of the barbecue because barbecue is first and foremost. That's, that's our, that's the main thing that's without the barbecue, we're nothing. And so that is, that is who we are. But like you said, we want to offer new and exciting dishes, which we will in the future. Right. I mean, but if, you know, to a certain extent, if all you are is a really great barbecue joint that's a mile from my house, like, you know, thank you. Yeah. Good enough. Uh, and, and if you, you do all the other things, like even better. Right. You, you can, you just come more often. basically. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. 
Lilo, let me start with you. What is your favorite barbecue protein? Brisket. Charles, how about you? I'm going to have to go with ribs, but I've been seriously addicted to his jalapeno cheese sausage lately. Uh, so it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's right underneath the ribs and the brisket, but yeah, I, I'm a, I love ribs. I like holding things and gnawing on it. It get, takes me back to my caveman jeans. Uh, <laughs> I think there's nothing better, but I mean, everything is, is pretty much on par, but I think, yes, yeah, slight, slightly towards the ribs and then sausage brisket right underneath. Absolutely. All right. Willow, what is the first band you saw in concert? Um, <laughs> my first real concert was uh, Slayer, Biohazard, and Machine Head um, in 1994. Charles, how about you? Rolling Stones. I was a little, I didn't even really know that my, my buddy's dad was a big wiggy executive, had a suite at the, uh, I guess it was at the Astrodome then. And he took me to the Rolling Stones. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. Willow, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? J.J. Uh, Watt. Charles, how about you? was awesome. Man, two things came to mind. Warren Moon and Akeem Olajuwon. That's just because I grew up with them, you know? <laughs> Willow, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Oh, uh Popeye's Chicken Tuesday. <laughs> Charles, how about you? Water burger all day long, man. <laughs> all right. And then Willow, I know I know people in the restaurant business never have a lot of free time, but what is the new restaurant that you are dying to try? Um hmm. I'm gonna go check out the post HTX. Just, just sample a lot of the stuff there. Nothing, nothing specific about you know uh, which place or anything, but you isn't that a spot where you can go and have a little bit? You know, uh, uh, yeah, I think they've got like fifteen different restaurants in there. Yeah, I want to go do. Can have a good time. <laughs> Charles, how about you? Man, only because their their TikToks look so damn delicious. It's that lotus seafood with the crack sauce. Nice. <laughs> they got me, man. They got me with those TikToks. So that's where I want to go. <laughs> All right. Give me the website and the social media for JBRM. JBRMBBQ.com. Yeah. Same thing on Instagram. JBRM. BBQ. BBQ. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having us. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.